Harry Potter. Oh, Harry Potter. 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 And the Half Drunk Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Harry Potter and the Half Drunk Podcast. I am Emily. I'm Sam. And this week is all about none other than Sirius Black. It's finally his time, his week to shine. Yeah, we're going to talk about Sirius this week because we are nearing the end of our deep dive. Before we get into that, we wanted to kind of switch things up a bit this week Mm -hmm. because we've had a lot of people message us about where they can find our episodes. Yes. And that made us think that maybe possibly most of the time people just kind of once we're done talking they end the episode um, which in the episode is valid totally get it <laughs> i do that all the time in the podcast that i listen to but just so everybody knows up front where you can find us we're available on itunes spotify stitcher himalaya basically anywhere you can listen to a podcast and while you're there feel free to give us a five-star rating or review um love hearing those things from you guys and um yeah, and we also post on social media each week where you can follow us at HB Half Drunk on Instagram and Twitter. We post the episode, a link to the episode, so you yeah. can always find it there. And if you actually go into our pictures on the Facebook page, you can find every single episode picture, and it has links to all of the places you can listen. So right. if you ever were in a pinch and wanted to find us, that's how. So That is how you'd find us, right. But yeah, so let's get into it. So our drink of the week this week is the Padfoot, which is basically 50 milliliters of whiskey of your choice, 40 milliliters of amaretto, and then either a double shot of espresso or extra strong coffee. And you chill the coffee in the fridge as to make the drink cold. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a risky drink. It's a little dangerous. It'll wake much you up, like... which I think is good because I have been on a plane for six hours. So <laughs> I think I need yeah. this drink. <laughs> well, I think Sirius would approve of this drink yes. because it's like an upper and a downer at the same time. So it's a little risky and Sirius likes to take risks. So it's, um, I mean, I really like mine because I have this caramel de leche coffee so I think it adds to the flavor of the amaretto yeah, and the that whiskey. Yeah, that sounds really good. It's pretty good. And then I used Knob Creek Small Batch 100 Proof Whiskey. And um, so it gives it a little bit more of a kick. So I am thoroughly enjoying that. And I love coffee. So what's not to like about this? I think overall this is one of the better drinks we've had in a while. So... I'm into it. I like it a lot better than the jello shots that we had last week. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, we are getting back on the question or poll of the week train because we love to have you guys interact with us and to hear your thoughts about our topics for every week. So this week, the question of the week were, what is your favorite serious black moments? And this could be from the book or the film. You know, we didn't call one out. So we got a lot of great responses. Uh, Good one, James. We got a lot of that one, actually. And that's a movie thing, which we'll bring up coming soon. But the Harry Sirius hug at the beginning of Order of the Phoenix and Sirius going full-on muggle mode when he decides to punch Lucius in the face at the end. Definitely more satisfying than a spell. Okay. Favorite quote? If you want to know what a man's like, take a good look at how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. And then someone replied to that comment, ironic, given how he died. (sighs) Okay, we're not even going to go there. When they were battling right before he is killed, when he calls Harry James, punching Malfoy in the face, all of them, the ones that love us never really leave us. That time when he was ready to kick Snape's tush when Snape came to see Harry about occlumency lessons. Yeah. In three, when he states the ones who love us never really leave us. You can always find them in here, your heart. Mm-hmm. When he told James that he wants to break the family tradition of being a Slytherin. Yeah, little understated moment. Yeah. In Order of the Phoenix, after Arthur's attacks when he looks after Harry and the Weasley kids. 
Every time he looks at Harry and hugs him in the movies, honestly, he escaped fucking Azkaban as a dog. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a moment, but him being there for Harry through the letters in the fireplace. The shrieking shack because we get such great character development. His death. Okay. When he asked Harry to move in with him in Prisoner of Azkaban. Nice one, James. We got a lot of that one. I mean, that is a really great moment, I think. Uh, I mean, even though I it's have mixed, potentially have problematic. Yeah. I mean, even though it's potentially problematic that he sees so much of James and Harry, I think it is nice that he does at the same time. Well, I don't he know. has confused feelings about it, too, because he's always back and forth yeah. on the fence. If, oh, you're definitely your father's son. Oh, your father would oh, you're not. definitely not do what you're doing or, you know, vice versa. So. He, like, uses James as a way to either insult or compliment Harry. Right. And then I'll read one last one because the rest are some repeats. But I think this one is a good one to close out with, especially ending on that point. But I don't really have one, to be honest. But I'm glad he was there for Harry as long as he could be. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Because he really was Harry's father figure in a lot of ways. His first one. So I, I wouldn't go as far as to say he was the best one, as I think... I don't think he was the best one, no. Yeah. But I think he was a link to his parents he had never had before. Well, because, yeah, like the closest link that he could have gotten to them. Right, because even though he had Lupin, which was a close link, you know, Sirius and James clearly had a closer friendship than lupin and james yeah, did they I mean, just Sirius had a different bond james. he was right. basically james's brother his, his family surrogate brother right and so i think that it's just really special that he does get the time he does with him and you know it really helped him grow as a person and while we've pointed out in the past that sirius is always the best at following his own advice he does give some pretty good advice yeah for the most part he does so he all does. right well I'm not going to be totally critical this entire episode. <laughs> um, yeah. That's good. Let's let's jump into some quick facts about Sirius and then sort of a summary of his life, basically, um, starting at the early years all the way through his death. So Sirius was born on the 3rd of November in 1959 in London to... His parents, Orion and Walburga Black, and he is the brother of Regulus, and he died on the 18th of June when he was 36 years old, at obviously in the hands of Bellatrix Lestrange. He was a pureblood. He was single, even though he had ruggedly handsome good looks, he never really seemed like he had a love interest, and he was obviously English. He was also known as Padfoot, Snuffles, and Stubby Boardman by the Quibbler. <laughs> and uh, we know that he was around 5'10ish, and I think this is just going off of Gary Oldman's height. His hair was black, his eyes were gray, and he was Caucasian. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Now we have a full demographic. Now that we all know what Sirius <laughs> looks like. <laughs> Let's start with his uh, early year history. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> now we can choose him out of a lineup, which I think is good. Right. So, as we said, he was born in London, England, and he was born to a pretty well-established wizarding family, Definitely. the House of Black. A pure and blood they were family. yes, they were a notable pure blood family. They were potentially problematic, but the majority of pure blood families pretty much where i think With you could the whole, bank like, on saying it inner family breeding you know yeah. blood purity it's kind of looked <laughs> down upon no matter right where you are um he had a younger brother regulus who we all know died after turning against lord voldemort but sirius is most noted for going against the ways of the house of black which had his whole family turn their backs on him as a result He was a Gryffindor, not a Slytherin. He chose to run with werewolves and Peter Pettigrew, which I'm sure was a shock to his mom. And they saw him as a blood traitor. And even the way that he decorated his bedroom, like he went all out Gryffindor and he put up like 
pinup girls of muggles and motorcycles like he was all into like some muggle things which just pissed his parents off even more and they were just like couldn't believe that their son was so rebellious and like even was fascinated with muggle things or attracted to muggle women so he just did everything he could to basically separate himself from his family until eventually he joined James's family he clearly was not a fan of his family. He, I mean, it's also, we should note, if you didn't know already, Bellatrix Lestrange, originally Bellatrix Black, was his cousin. So he just has a lot of forces that are <laughs> playing, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to reject all of this. And, you know, you have to keep in mind, this he's alive, right, and young, when Voldemort is rising. And it would have been very, very easy for him to be like, all right, I'm going to choose the side of my family, I'm going to go along with this. But he didn't. He stood up. Yeah. Which I think is a very important trait that he has. Right. But while at Hogwarts, he met James Potter, uh, Remus Lupin, and Peter Pettigrew, and they became the Marauders. They were the best four friends that anybody ever had. (laughs) (laughs) And um, when they discovered that Remus was a werewolf, in order to support him, the three of them, Sirius, James, and Peter secretly began training themselves on how to become anime guy and I think this is really impressive and like a testament to all of their abilities that they were able to pull this off after a couple years and safely transform themselves into anime guy so that they could basically be Remus's company whenever he had to transform at the full moon and they would all run around together literally run around together as animals and uh, I just think that's crazy and it shows a lot of loyalty and commitment from all of them I think that really it came first from Sirius and James and then Peter not to be left out decided to join right uh, and he probably had a lot of help from the two of them as well as Remus (laughs) and we also know that they were huge troublemakers and led and paved the path for Fred and George Weasley to come through. I mean, obviously, they made the Marauders map, which let them see everyone in the castle at any given time and led to them basically sneaking in and out and everywhere whenever they could. And we know that they were mischievous troublemakers, and even McGonagall talks about how she hasn't seen such troublemakers since James and Sirius whenever she's referring to Fred and George. Right. Um, It's also important to note, I think this is a huge point and testament to his life. At the age of 16, Sirius actually broke away from his family and moved in with James Potter and his family. Um, And this is, of course, the point where his mom blasted his name off of the family tree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She's quite a dramatic lady. Um, And one could assume this is really when the rise of Voldemort probably started and he could see his family going towards supporting him. And he just wasn't with it. So. Yeah. And I think, you know, the tension in his family is rising this entire time that he's in Gryffindor and they can see how close he is to other people and forming friendships with other people who aren't blood pure like him. And I think that it just reaches a boiling point at some point. And you have to take into the fact that he was 16. So his hormones and emotions are running high and. I feel like that's basically the age where a lot of people think about leaving home because they don't agree with their parents. And obviously this has been brewing from a very young age for him. So when James offers right. up his place to land, of course Sirius is going to take it. I mean, he probably already has been spending most of his holidays there anyways just to get out of his own house. So it makes perfect right. sense. And I think it's just a shame that we don't get to see that come full circle, that kind of arc with Harry then taking refuge with Sirius, like Sirius once did with his father. But Right. Yeah. Um, and then after school, he joined the Order of the Phoenix so he could fight alongside of his friends against Lord Voldemort. And eventually, he ended up losing all of his friends, except for Remus. But then he got locked away in Azkaban. Yes. But I think we should point out that, before we jump there real quickly, that in his sixth year at Hogwarts, he basically tried to kill Snape. I know that it was a practical joke, but he kind of knew that it was 
very dangerous and could end up being deadly when he told Snape how to enter the Whomping Willow that would lead to the Shrieking Shack, where, unbeknownst to Snape, but known to Sirius, Remus would be transforming into a werewolf. So he sent Snape there during a full moon, and Sirius kind of knew that he could have ran into Remus, who was a werewolf, and if James hadn't rescued him, Snape could have been killed by Remus. And I think that was um, a little... uh, critical just just to note because i mean he tried to explain himself later and said that he had told snape what he could do but he didn't like make him do it and it served him right to try to do that and like snape knew what he was getting i I don't know it just i feel like Sirius, for as many of his good qualities his biggest flaw is he doesn't always think through his actions and he doesn't always think of how his actions can affect other people and For example, like him just going off on Peter Pettigrew in the middle of the street. Like, of course, that's going to look bad for everyone involved. Right. It just is. And him speaking overly loudly so that Snape would hear that and, of course, be curious and, of course, want to bust them because he knew he was was obsessed with them. So, yeah, I think, like I said, his biggest downfall is not thinking through his actions Definitely. And he doesn't think through how things will affect Harry later, his words especially. He doesn't think through how, like, going to the train station to drop Harry off in Order of the Phoenix could have a huge effect on the Order itself. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. think his biggest flaw, and yes, it is important to point out, he, he is not perfect. Thinking. But yes, he is very, very, very impulsive. Which we see that in Harry as well, especially coming up in the yes. next deep dive that we go into. Harry is very rash and impulsive and acts on pure emotion and impulse, which Sirius does as well. But we also see Sirius kind of learns how to rein that in over the years where now he's right. basically the same age as Harry was during that time. And we see how like serious Harry kind of is a little bit. in in that instinct though i don't really think that harry would have done that to somebody it's kind of a similar thread if if you're following me like how he just acts like that the difference the biggest difference between harry and sirius is that at his core harry is the hero type and he's gonna think of the greater good in every way that he can. <laughs> just every time that is said, you know, I just can't. We should take a I drink. It's seriously. Um, because I try to get it in almost every episode. But <laughs> yeah, so Harry thinks about the greater good, but Sirius, he doesn't. He, even though he cares about other people and is a very generous man, I think for the most part, he really only thinks about himself and how his actions will affect him in that moment. That's not saying he doesn't care about other people because I think he has the biggest heart pretty much of any of the characters that we see in this story because he loves James and he would do anything to protect his son. Right. Yeah. I just think that ultimately he's not the hero type. He just is a really great character but also has this huge character flaw. Yeah. So. For sure. All right. But anyway. Moving on. (laughs) I love these hot takes. We don't get to do this in deep dives that often. Yeah, so he then goes to Azkaban, like we were saying, and we all know the story from there. Um, He escapes because he was able to keep out the Dementors by transforming into a dog, so he retained some of his sanity, more than most people, and then began, like, basically stalking Harry (laughs) to watch him. And then finally got to confront Peter Pettigrew and tell Harry the truth about what happened to his parents. And yes. then he went into hiding. Yes, which I think, you know, that whole scene, how it plays out with Sirius and Remus reconciling more and um, Sirius explaining to Harry the real truth of what happened and how he still blames himself for all of it because he told Peter and he was the one who didn't trust Remus throughout the whole first Wizarding World when there was just all of this mistrust and they knew that there was a spy somewhere and Sirius thought it was Remus but it turned out to be the one person he trusted which was Peter and he felt extremely guilty on all fronts because of that and then he had 
13 years in Azkaban to think about it. But, um, yeah, it's that whole scene where he just kind of, like, lays it all out is one of my favorites in Prisoner of Azkaban. And I think someone said that it was their favorite serious moment. And I think that it's one of my favorites, too, because you really get a full view of his character when we had been led to believe the entire book leading up to that, that he was some big villain. We really see his remorseful side and his emotional side and also his murderous side because now he really does want to kill Peter Pettigrew. Yeah. It's one of my favorite moments as well. I think his reunion with Remus is one of my favorite moments, especially since Harry's like, what the fuck? Like, You're right. dude, When he sees Remus murderer. and Sirius... And right. he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> right. I trusted you. Right. And I just think that whole moment is great. And especially since then, it's kind of all laid out for us, like the depth of James and Sirius's friendship. And that's extremely important for Harry at this point in his life to discover. Right. Um, so then, even though he's in hiding, Harry really uses him as a resource not only for when he's competing in the Triwizard Tournament, but also just for his life questions. Right. He really goes to him and yeah, he, trusts he's him. He's like and, his, his newfound mentor that he needed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are even times when he doesn't want to tell Dumbledore um, prior to Order of the Phoenix when he was annoyed with Dumbledore, when he doesn't want to tell him something because he really values Sirius's opinion that much. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? Like, I got this. I just need to write a letter to Sirius. He'll know exactly what to do. I like it's fine. I do also think though that there's something a little not selfish, but Harry kind of knows what answer he's gonna get from Dumbledore when he's thinking of doing something a little dangerous. Crazy. Whereas <laughs> yeah. he knows if he asks Sirius his opinion, he's likely to get the answer that he wants, which is usually encouraging him to do those things, but not in the Triwizard Tournament. Triwizard Tournament, he was very cautionary to Harry because he knew that right. someone was trying to get him. But I just think that Harry goes to Sirius for things a little differently than he would if he went to Dumbledore, where he goes to Dumbledore if it's like a dire circumstance, like Arthur Weasley being attacked by a snake. But, uh, yeah, in any other case, he's like, hmm, Sirius might have a different approach, whereas Dumbledore yeah. would be very, um, like, on the nose, right and wrong. You know what I mean? I definitely see that. I understand that. But I think it's good for him, though, to have someone who does encourage his wilder side. His um, more natural tendencies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my favorite serious moment is actually when he comes to watch Harry compete in the Triwizard Tournament and is disguised as a dog. And I think this is a huge missed opportunity they had in the films because it's just so special that he's, A, willing to risk it all to see his godson compete, and B, he's there when Harry needs him absolutely the most. He's able to be there. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Gives him a little piece of reassurance. Right. And then we get to Order of the Phoenix, um, which we've been talking about in our deep dives, but Sirius you know, is kind of feeling neglected a little bit and feeling like a waste of space a little bit. Well, he's stir-crazy. He's locked up in his house that he tried so hard to get out of for so long. Right, like, his character arc kind of comes <laughs> full circle, unfortunately, because he's kind of stuck back in this house, and that's his narrative, right? Mm-hmm. When he was a child, that he was stuck in this house. And he really jumps at any opportunity he has to be reckless and to be involved. And he's very moody and takes it out on other people. And we see him getting altercations with different people. And he takes it out on Harry sometimes, like when Harry was talking to him in the fire and he told him he didn't think that he should come to Hogsmeade because he was reckless when he disguised himself as a dog on the platform at the beginning of the book. And, Sirius didn't take that very well and you know he's just he's very much feeling isolated and like you said like kind of a waste of space and I mean we all like we get that right any of us would feel like that anyone would be super depressed like I get depressed if I don't leave my apartment during the day so I can only imagine especially when like all of your friends are going out and doing these things to help the cause and to ultimately lead to the downfall of Voldemort again. And the person who is in the Order of the Phoenix, who A, you don't trust, B, was sort of his enemy throughout school, is 
has arguably the most important job. Right. And you're sitting there and twiddling your thumbs, basically. Right. So he's also super jealous of everybody who gets to go out and actually be a part of the action. And Because he's used to being the star. I mean, even though James, you could argue, is the star of their quartet. He still was his number two, and still, yeah. I would assume, Sirius got still attracted just a as much lot attention. of attention. He was still the ruggedly right. handsome one. James was popular because he was so athletic and whatever, but Sirius was just fucking hot. Like, he was just good yep. looking. He's the Uncle Jesse of the group, he was okay? The, uh, Uncle J- and he had the charisma. Like, he had more charisma, I would say, than James did. James had a lot of cockiness, whereas I think Sirius had more of a sweet-talking charisma. Right. Yeah. So, it, you know, it had to be difficult for him, and he really jumped at the opportunity at the end of Order of the Phoenix, and we'll talk more about that next week. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, his death was super heartbreaking, I think, for everyone who read the series, and for sure. especially for Harry, because he has to watch another person he loves die and his like one chance of escaping the dursleys for the next it's couple gone. years yeah it's gone and i think um i won't get into it too much because i want to save it for our film comparison but dan's performance when Sirius black dies i think is nail on the head spot on and i really i think that was all of us internally <laughs> when right? he died i mean that scene is so emotional and We'll just talk about it a little bit now. I'm sure we'll get more into it. But I think when they drop the audio out and you just see their reactions, it's very impactful. You see Remus trying to hold it together to hold Harry and Harry just losing it. And yeah, yeah, it is very impactful. But Sirius is a beloved character for a lot of readers and fans and yeah our listeners i mean a, a lot of people it's their favorite character and i totally get yeah. it like he's very relatable human he is a badass like he rode the motorcycle you know like he he i mean his the motorcycle that hagrid has was serious is he left it to hagrid and i think it is kind of important to talk about when harry's parents were killed the night that they were killed serious mm-hmm. went there and was gonna try to get baby harry yeah and they wouldn't let him have baby harry and hagrid showed up and took baby harry and sirius's motorcycle so it's just i don't know if they would have let him have harry he would have never pursued peter pettigrew and harry would have grown up extremely differently yeah and i think this moment i'm so glad you brought this up because this moment was so pivotal in harry's life and he has absolutely no idea no idea but he probably could have recognized sirius as a baby like i'm sure he knew who Sirius was when he was one year old. Well, because remember, he, they all were hanging out together. Like, he used to see Sirius all the time. Yeah, exactly. Like, his parents were inseparable. His, Sirius was the best man at their wedding. And I'm, I'm pretty sure in a letter that Harry finds in Deathly Hollows in Sirius's room, it's talking about how Harry's flying around on the broom that he got him. And I'm sure Sirius yeah. saw that. And um, So, yeah, I think that baby Harry would have known who Sirius was and would have felt very comfortable going with him after that like traumatic event had just happened and harry would have had a completely different upbringing like you said sirius would have had a completely different life he wouldn't have gone to azkaban i don't know what would have happened but um i mean harry probably would have grown up to be james i mean mean, yeah yeah that's totally fair he already pretty much is but i think he would have grown up more pompous He, he would have grown up with the knowledge of who he was and right more cocky and i think that ultimately you know, even though it probably would have been a very better childhood for Harry, and he would have felt a lot more nurtured and loved and cared for. Ultimately, growing up with the Dursleys is what makes Harry Potter Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I mean, if he hadn't had all of that childhood trauma, basically, he wouldn't right. have an appreciation for what is right and wrong all of the time because he has been the victim of such right. bullying and hatred and everything all the time. But... I mean, I just wanted to point that out, that that was, like, a huge missed opportunity. Or maybe not a missed opportunity. It just was a very, very pivotal point that the series could have gone a completely different way. And then... And honestly, that moment probably spurred him on. Yeah. 
definitely prompted him to go after Pettigrew. Right. Because he's like, well, fine. You killed my friends. Their house is destroyed. He's all up Baby in his Harry feelings. is off with his abusive family. Yeah. And he's like, feeling what betrayed else do I have because to lose? he's the godfather and he isn't allowed to keep Harry. Oh, fuck and this. he was supposed to be the secret keeper. And then Dumbledore changed it at the last minute to be Peter Pettigrew. And he probably is feeling immense guilt about that. And he's just like, fuck it. I don't have anything else to lose. I'm going to kill I'm this I'm going to go get this man. Yeah. 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 So. Alrighty. Well, let's move in. So on the Wizarding World app and website, um, there is this article at six times Sirius was one of the bravest Harry Potter characters. So let's put the Wizarding World app to the test. <laughs> Which we know is basically should be information that was on Pottermore, but... You know, this is really the only article that I found on the Wizarding World app. I couldn't really find much else about Sirius, so it was a little disappointing because I feel like on Pottermore you would have, like, pages upon pages of content to search through. Right. But anyways, we'll see what Wizarding World has (laughs) to say. But I I do love this opening line. We're going to summarize as we always do so we're not just reading you an article. But this line, I think just describes him perfectly nail on the head Sirius black might have been a little reckless at times but at least he was a rebel with a cause yeah that's true he was most of the time (laughs) the majority of the time so the first thing this article cites is him being really brave is when he became an animagus because obviously it's very difficult to transform into an animal at will, which shows how good he was at transfiguration. But whenever they found out that Lupin was actually a werewolf, their reaction wasn't to just leave him high and dry, but to figure out a way to make him more comfortable and to be his friend even more by accompanying him. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) this article says, what's a little law breaking against supporting your werewolf friends? So Clearly, they threw caution to the wind when it came to breaking the law and when it came to running with a werewolf because their friend's happiness was at stake. So they didn't really worry about anything else. Yeah, and I think that's a testament to his character overall is he didn't really care what else was at stake if someone he loved was threatened. Right. I think he was very, very much driven by the happiness of his friends. Because his family didn't really give two shits about. His friends were his family, and he would do anything to make them happy. Well, moving just off that point, um, (laughs) (laughs) another way that he was a brave character was that he actually escaped his pure-blood-obsessed family. He denounced their ways, and rather than going along with them, he actively rejected their beliefs and expectations, and... It takes a lot of courage to do that. It takes a lot of courage, especially at 16, to be like, bye. Right. I don't need this. Right. And also to rebel as a kid and to, like, you know, you know that he got in so much trouble every time he decorated his room or when he wrote home to be like, I'm in Gryffindor. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and at that point, he's 11. And it just takes a very, very brave soul to be able to stand up to your family. Right. So... Right. So back to what I was saying earlier about him being (laughs) completely loyal (laughs) to his friends. That's the next point, is his bravery is shown and his loyalty to his friends. And that, you know, even even though they could be pretty reckless, and in Sirius' own words, they were arrogant and occasionally they were a little cruel, shown by the example we said earlier about Sirius' trick he played on Snape. But... His saving grace in that trick was that he was trying to get Snape chucked out of Hogwarts, which would have made all their lives better, in his opinion. And then when Pettigrew was the Potter's secret keeper and Sirius confronts him afterwards and Pettigrew is all just like, well, what would what, what have you have done? He would have killed you, blah, blah, blah. And Sirius says, then you should have died. Died rather than betray your friends, as we would have done for you. So, obviously, he's extremely loyal to his friends. He is a ride-or-die, and um, he, is. he would rather, literally, rather die than betray his friends. Yeah. Another way that he's brave is he broke out of fucking Azkaban. He's a fucking badass, okay? So, he was in Azkaban for over a decade, 
which is crazy. It's just insane to me because everyone else was losing their minds and he was like, I think part of it was he was really thriving on the fact that A, he was innocent, B, that he knew Pettigrew was somewhere because he knew he, he didn't kill yeah, him. Yeah, he wanted revenge. So he wanted revenge. And C, he knew Harry was out there and he needed to get to Harry. And D, he could turn into a dog whenever he wanted and the Dementors didn't really affect dogs. True. True. But, yeah, so I, I just think it takes a very brave person to be in that situation for that long and not give up and keep being driven by all these causes, whatever they may be. Right, I couldn't do it, even if I was innocent. Right. Um, and then we see Sirius is brave through the support that he gives Harry through the Triwizard Tournament. Obviously, we talk about how Sirius visits Harry and he goes to Hogsmeade in the disguise of Padfoot. And um, right. he was supposed to be in hiding this whole time, but he was basically risking it all just to be able to be there for Harry and comfort him as he had questions answered. And he was, you know, Harry was in a lot of danger that entire time and Sirius wanted to be close to him so that he could be there in case he needed to be if something happened. And he basically risked being caught and killed or faced a Dementor's kiss or being chucked back in Azkaban just so he could be around for Harry throughout that time. Right. And then another way he's there for Harry, and the last reason that this article has, is following him into the Department of Mysteries. I think this is honestly his largest act of bravery, uh, because he knew that Voldemort was going to lure Harry there, and he felt the need to be there to have his back. And he literally is walking into the lion's den. I mean, he's on the run from Azkaban, he's walking into he the Ministry of Magic. He goes into the Ministry of Magic and to Voldemort. Right. Yeah. And, you know, yes, he does ultimately lose his life in this, but I think even though his death was so tragic and tragically heartbreaking, especially because it's at the hands of his family, which I think is extremely fitting. If you're going to have anyone end his life, it should be his family. Yeah. The ones that he's been trying to distance himself from this whole time. It's his ultimate downfall right. in the end. Right. But I also think him spending his last moments fighting alongside of his godson and then him laughing. Yeah. It's just an extremely fitting death for him. And I think it's a very brave death. And fighting for, for the cause that he's been wanting to this entire time. Like he's finally getting to be a part right. of the action, which, you know, some might say since he was hold up that entire time then he became a little rusty when he was dueling with bellatrix i mean i could totally see that and i also think i do think it was brave that he went there but i also think it shows his recklessness again and maybe a little bit of selfishness like i know that he, sure. he needed to be there to like reassure harry that he was fine and alive but i also think that he took it as an opportunity to finally get out when he easily could have saved safe at number 12 Grimmauld Place and they could have brought Harry back to him later and been like look Harry he's cool it's fine instead of getting out and but you know it's war what are you gonna do and um, I won't fault him for that but I think that it was brave but it was also he saw an opportunity in it to finally get a piece of the pie, get a piece of the action. Right. I I agree with all those points. I really do think just like thinking of all of that, like what I just said, what you just said, I really think J.K. Rowling is such a genius when it comes to his character because he's built up as this super lovable, super reckless, hot, godfather, intense person, right? All wrapped in this like bow. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what he has to lose or what anyone has to lose. He's going to be there for Harry. And I I think we see that a lot in other characters, for sure. But the only other character I think we can really compare his loyalty to is, like, Ron and Hermione. And it's so nice to see that mirrored in, like, an older generation. Yeah. Because... The way that Sirius thinks about Harry and James and Remus and even Peter as he was growing up is the exact same way we see the Golden Trio care for each other. And I think 
seeing the power of that friendship and how that can eventually lead into how you care for someone's child is a super intense type of love that I'm really, really glad that she explored. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that Sirius is one of the most complex characters written in this series. And for sure, the reason why he's a favorite of so many is because he has so many layers and, you know, people have a different view of him just depending on how they personally feel in their own life and how they can relate to him. And I, my opinion of him has changed so many times as I've grown as an adult, you know, like when I first read the series, Sirius was like, he was like a, a god among other men in this book. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is the guy. This is who Harry has needed this entire time. He's awesome. Like, he's so cool. And obviously, like, my opinion has molded and shaped, and I still think the series is, like, super awesome and a badass, but I also see the more complex layers to his character now as I'm an adult and I can dissect those things more. But, um, yeah, true testament to J.K. Rowling's writing. And with that, I think we should get into some of his most famous and effective quotes. So let's talk about some of his most famous quotes, both from book and movie. One of them being, we've all got both light and dark inside of us. What matters is the part we choose to act on. That's who we really are. And Sirius says this to Harry in Order of the Phoenix. And um, I think it's really important because Harry is struggling a lot in this moment about like who he is and if he is actually bad and like Voldemort and or in this book he's struggling with that and I think it's important that Sirius kind of puts that in his head and says that you know we all have parts of ourselves that are dark but what is important is that we choose to be better and we choose to act on the good which I think is a lesson that Sirius himself had to learn and continues to learn throughout his entire life right we all have to learn Right. (laughs) Yeah. We should all have that plastered somewhere. Another quote, which a lot of our listeners said they really liked too, was, if you want to know what a man's like, take a look at how he treats his inferiors, not his equals. And again, I think this is a piece of advice that we kind of hit on earlier that he gives out, but it's kind of difficult for him to take because he doesn't treat creature with inherent respect and dignity. He doesn't treat Snape, who he views as his inferior, with respect and dignity and again I think he is constantly learning throughout his life and I think it's a really good illustration for her to show that yeah even adults need to take heart and still learn these lessons too correct yeah I mean it's definitely like a wisdom bomb that he drops and right I think he knows that he's not exactly 100% perfect on this all the time But I think going back to the last thing he said, he knows that he should be. And I think that's what's important. And I think it's important in a lot of our, a lot of our lives is like, even when we do bad things and some of these things are just like so deeply sated within us to, and like the hatred that he has for Snape and for Creature and Creature's just a reminder of all the things he hates about his family and his house and everything. It's really hard for him to rise up and act on the light and be the better person the bigger person even though they're you know the bigger person to his quote-unquote inferiors you know um he doesn't do it all the time but he knows that he should and I think in every other circumstance besides those two people he probably would and he does yeah for sure yeah so the next one is from Prisoner of Azkaban where Sirius basically says do you think the dead we loved ever truly leave us? And this also goes back to in the movie where he says you can find them like in here and he like touches his heart and Harry, uh, you know, is basically telling him that you can always find the people you love in your heart and they're always with you. And this is like tale as old as time, right? Whenever someone we love dies, some of the comfort that is given to us is knowing that we will always cherish the memory of them and carry them in our heart and whatever you believe you can believe that they're watching over you or with you all the time. And I think that's just one of the first things that he does to comfort Harry as his godfather. And we see that in this very tender moment that he has. Yeah, and I think this is one quote where you can see this reflected in his everyday life. He truly believes that 
he carries James in, and he does. he does. He carries yeah. James in his heart and his mind to the point where he projects him onto Harriet a little bit, but he does. He carries him and Lily with him and he'll never let them go. And he wants to honor their legacy. And I think that's just such a true factor of his character is that he loves these two people so, so much and he's not going to let them go which is basically the driving point behind every decision he makes. Right. After their death. Right. So another quote is from Goblet of Fire, and it is, well, bad times bring out the best in some people and the worst in others. And I think this is important to keep in mind, especially at this point in the series, because you are going to see some characters where you're like, oh, wow, okay, like, I did not expect you to come out and be bad. And also, like, okay, like, I didn't expect you to come out and Neville become a badass. Right, right, right. You know? Like, like dark times really do show the grit in people. And I think it could even be argued, you can see this in pretty much any character from here on into the conclusion of the series. For example, Malfoy. Yeah. His true colors are shown. Yeah, at first, he's a little snot, and he does what everyone would expect him to do. And he becomes a Death Eater. And then his true colors are actually shown and he saves Harry's life. Yeah. So I think it's just really important to keep this quote in the back of your head while you're like reading through the series from the Goblet of Fire on. Well, I also think this quote teaches us a lot about our interpersonal relationships and that you can use this piece of advice like in dark times. I mean, whenever you're going through something, it really shows you like who's in your corner and who's on your team and who your friends are. I mean, sometimes if a friend is struggling with something, it's kind of hard sometimes for some people to like lean into that and be there for them. And they disappear in the dark times. And that really shows like how good a relationship actually is. So I think that you can also use this when we're not even referring to Harry Potter and we're thinking about just our life in general, like the bad times in our life really shows us what we're made of, but also shows us what our friends and our circle and our family are made of when dark times happen. Definitely, definitely. I think for any relationship or friendship, it's truly who is standing by you when things are shitty and when things are hard. And, you know, not everyone can handle it. Some people are just there to be your cheerleader and there to be... For fun and when things are good and happy. Yeah. And when they're not, they kind of bow out. And then they'll come back. They will. Right. Always. They'll come back when things are good again. But, you know, you're so right. And we know that Sirius is always there to have a good time. But it's important oh, that yeah. he was also there in the really shitty parts, which makes him such a great friend. But right. another quote we have is that the world isn't split into good people and Death Eaters. And this is basically right on the nose when referring to a lot of people in this series, especially moving forward when we're talking about, like, Umbridge and, like, obviously she's not a Death Eater, but she's one of the worst, arguably the worst villain in this entire series. And I think it's important that he tells them this early on because they do learn it after this point in Prisoner of Azkaban when um, they meet all these different people who are basically super shitty, but to their knowledge, aren't Death Eaters. I think it's also important, we can elevate it even more as we did the last one, it's important to keep in mind in real life, too. Yeah, I mean, people aren't really split into good and bad. Everyone has good and bad qualities. They have light and dark, just like... <laughs> right, right. Um, but I think you can even take a look at this, you know, with some of the quote-unquote good guys in the series, too. I mean, they're not all good through and through. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, important to keep And then one last one from Albus Dumbledore himself. Sirius was a brave, clever, and energetic man, and such men are not usually content to sit at home in hiding while they believe others to be in danger. Yeah, I mean... And if that doesn't sum Sirius Black up in a sentence, I really don't know what does, because he was extremely brave. He was a Gryffindor through and through, and so brave. He was energetic, to an annoying level at times. <laughs> like, I don't really understand how you can, like, be an Azkaban and then 
switch and be super energetic and be like chasing this little rat around for half a year. Right. And I mean, obviously he's super clever. Like he turned, he taught himself how to become an animagus when he was like 15 years old. And he created this ingenious map that not only does it show all of Hogwarts and the people inside it, but if you don't know how to open the map, it will insult you if you try to open it. (laughs) Quite a bit of magic skill that he had. And I can only assume that, you know, he, he wasn't the only one involved in that, but I think a lot of the cleverness of that map came from him. And, you know, I th- it is a very good, well-rounded quote that Dumbledore has of him, as Dumbledore usually does. He nails it when he's yes. judging someone's character. And he knew that Sirius wasn't going to sit at home with all that ministry stuff unfolding. And even with Harry being in danger at any time, he's not going to sit at home. I think he could expect him to sit at home only for so long. Like, he at that point had sat at home for months and months, and, you know, at that point he's like, yeah, well, fuck it. Like, yeah. what's the worst that can happen? I'll get thrown back into Azkaban? Like, I'll get out. Right. It was easy enough for me to get out the first time, and now it's not even a real prison because the Dementors are on Voldemort's side. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I just think, overall, Sirius is one of my favorite characters, and as Sam pointed out earlier in the episode, one of the most complex characters in the series. Like, we could probably go on and talk about him for another hour. And it's hard because, like, I want this episode to measure up to him, to be worthy of him, because there's so much that we could say. Right. But I don't want to, like, talk it to death, you know? I mean, I think we've covered, like, the key points and the key moments in his life and his quotes and everything, but the serious discussion isn't over. We're still going to talk about him as we continue our deep dive and how he affects Harry coming up in, in Half-Blood Prince and uh, the rest of the series. I mean, we also see Sirius again in Deathly Hollows at the very end when Harry has the Resurrection Stone, Sirius appears there. So right. he, we're not done talking about Sirius, but for this episode, I don't want to talk him to death, but I do hope that it is all that we can make it for him because he yeah, deserves I mean, I the think, best. You know, for this episode, as Sam was saying, we wanted to do him justice and we've done quite a few character profiles at this point and i think we have done them justice for the most part i mean we even did dolores Umbridge Umbridge. Justice. I mean, yeah we, we were super pissed through that whole episode but it was, a, it was a pretty good episode and i think you like really got to know her and realize why she is the way she is yeah i feel like this has been more like a therapy session for me like i'm working out my issues right now (laughs) (laughs) you're working out your issues we're working through it we're working on our relationship yeah but i just he's such a great character and role model and we should all be a little bit more like serious and i think we should close it out since we already plugged our social media and listening to the episodes with a final quote from him. Alright. What's life without a little risk? Let's all raise our glass to that. <laughs> Alright. Have a good week. Cheers. Mischief managed. Mischief managed.